All right, I'm here with Aaron again, and uh, we're going to talk about Shuha Reed today. Hi, Aaron. He just waved at me. Hello. It's real exciting. He's a great wave. Um, so uh, I want to talk about Shuha Reed. I recently uh, did a video um, kind of talking about what I think the ideal answer for Shuha Reed in an interview question of like, where are you uh, from a, the levels of Shuha Reed that relates to Agile. It's a good. Um, it's a it's a good interview question because I think it'll immediately give you some feedback as to whether or not <laughs> you know the qualification. Like very in the first ten seconds that they're answering, it'll 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 let you know if they're even worth considering. So I think I've figured out what I think the ideal answer is. So if I let's let's play this out a little bit. Yeah. So Aaron, you're, you're you're interviewing today, um, in this scenario. So, yeah. uh, Aaron. If you're looking at Shuhari, do you understand the concept as it relates to Agile? Um, well, I I definitely understand the concept as it relates to martial arts. Okay. Whether whether as it relates to to Agile, I think it's it's a little bit is it a little bit more difficult because it's it's constantly evolving. Okay. So on the scale of of Shuhari, where would you rank yourself? Mm. I would probably rank myself as ha because there's like some concepts or practices that I know how to implement or to watch for. So there's definitely like some patterns mm -hmm. that I've like, I've been doing this so long that I can actually recognize some patterns or have some experience applying those patterns in different environments. Mm -hmm. And I think that that puts you in the ha category because shoe, you're, I think you're, you're, you're either learning the basic or basics or applying from from rote, you know, looking at the scrum guide or, you know, teaching a team how to do some of these meetings. You're not really trying to, you're not necessarily adapting the meetings or trying to break from what the prescriptive practice of, you know, what is it, two hour, two hour retro, four hour sprint planning. Like you're, you're just trying to get that stuff rolling. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I think, you know, the ha stage is defined primarily by deviating from tradition, right? And I would say adapting those, those principles on a basic level uh, to your team's needs is, I would say, really embedded with tradition of, of what it means to be a scrum master. Um, do you think you have effectively broken from tradition? Wait, is, is ha breaking from tradition? Because I think, I, think I think ha is, is like... It's detached. It's it's breaking from tradition. Yeah. Is it okay? All right. Then I've like maybe we should review what each of the stages meant because mm -hmm. I haven't I haven't like read over it. Okay, that's fair. And I I recently have because I was because I know re I know re's mastery right where you can you can like make up you you can like make up rules basically because it's so ingrained in like who you are you can you get to like make it up. Um, so yeah, I think that's part I mean, of it. So I will give you my definition, right, and you right. can challenge it, right? Okay. So I'd say Shu is the the I'm learning and in a protected state. Uh, I am I'm learning. Maybe you have a master or a mentor to help help guide me. Um, then then Ha is, you know, I'm applying the practice, but I'm also like starting to detach from the master. I'm starting to go my own way and break from tradition. Then I'd say re is the reflexive and, and like it just everything comes natural and just sort of happens, right? Um, that, that would be that would be how I would define those okay. three, three stages. 
Let me ask you this. Where do you think the ideal state is for an Agile practitioner? Well, I mean, well, you, I mean, you, you would think some, you want somebody to get to mastery, but what is mastery? Like, what, what is ma- mastery? What does mastery look like? Right. I don't know. Like, like we, we were talking about this last week because every what was this week? Every every environment, every team is is different. So I, I I like. It would be strange if somebody could just like walk in. And within a week or even within a month, you know, start applying certain practices with a, a a team that they hadn't seen before, and then we. I mean, we've talked about, like, relationships and building trust is, is so important. And the, the masters that I know, right, the, you know, their view, one of them, is that it takes takes a year to get a, a team up and running. I, I mean, not, not, like, not, like, performing, but, like, a year to get to, like, great. Like, it, like the time, like, we're talking about investment of time in those relationships, so... So what really is that? What does it look like? They, some people may have like confusing ideas of what mastery is. It's, I think a fair point. Um, so back to my question: Shu Ha Ri, what state should you stri- strive for? In martial arts, you're obvi- obviously striving for Ri. Is that the same in agile? This is. This sounds like a a like a. Like I'm thinking of an answer to the. That's from like the Jewish sages, where, you you believe in the idea of Messiah. You believe <coughs> that it will come. Is that funny? <laughs> <coughs> no, I just can't breathe cherry coke. Ah, uh, that's fine. Sorry. Continue. So, <coughs> so, I'm remembering this interview of this like learned guys. It's like professor in history or something, but he's like, he's like, you believe in the idea of Messiah coming, but Messiah doesn't come. Like you believe in the idea of mastery, but you don't get to master it. You just it's just something to strive for. It's like like I I wonder if it's like it's a similar, like if that's a good parallel to like that sort of religious belief. Okay. What if I told you I think the ideal state for an Agile practitioner is to be striving for Shu and venturing into Ha, never approaching Ri? Oh. That's interesting. So you strive to apply the basics or to learn the basics? Uh, I would say you are striving to be in a situation where you are constantly learning in a protected environment, preferably with a mentor. Oh. Hmm. It, I mean, in my mind, if I'm talking about like, what is the ideal scenario for anybody who has really embraced the Agile principles and is bought into to the, the notions of continuous improvement, accepting that you're always a student, I think is the ideal state. Yeah, maybe. The only way I think you can get to a restate is to accept that you want to be in shoe, I think. 
that's it. It's it's interesting. It's interesting to think about. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Continue. Well, yeah, we were just talking earlier today. Well, not quite after stand up because I missed. <laughs> missed the meeting. This is an like, agile podcast. Like, you probably shouldn't tell them that. Uh-huh. It's it's real. It's practical. It's fine. Yeah. No, but 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 then I was thinking of I was, I was thinking back upon the meeting and the idea of pairing, mm-hmm. like pairing with scrum masters. It's like is that like that's probably it's probably a good practice for for scrum masters, right? Or for agile practitioners to to pair and to understand the value of of getting feedback on their own ideas of the things that they're doing with with the team instead of trying to operate within within a vacuum because I think we I mean I, I I would I would bet at some point that I thought that that and maybe still to some extent that to be able to do a transformation on your own or to be a semester on your own that there that that would equate to some level of of learning or or mastery but but just having a peer to bounce ideas off of is is very useful like i don't it would be very dangerous actually i think to just to think that you can go with your own ideas and to not seek feedback so what i'm hearing from you you know to the point of my website mm-hmm. if you want to be an agile practitioner you should do the same things that you tell your teams to do you know two edge are better than one you know and i think that probably does apply to scrum masters agile coaches agile transformation specialists right there's not always a right answer and i think and i think this actually plays into one of my objections to the restate um so re implies like total mastery total reflexive nature of everything right like you just you just do right you don't have to think about it. it just sort of comes naturally to you and i think if you're doing that as an agile practitioner you are essentially ignore like you you're have to rely on your assumptions about the environment without validating them. Mm. Right? Oh, okay. I mean, you could you yeah. could make an argument that your your reaction would be to go validate your assumption, assumptions which I think is probably accurate. But the reality is um if you even if you are, you know, defaulting to a a baseline of validating assumptions, you're still defaulting and i think you do acknowledging that you have more to learn even if it is just from a peer i think that's why you should always be learning right and to your point agile is young it's in its infancy really like it's it's been around for over a decade now but the reality is that we constantly have new ideas we're constantly building up this knowledge base um you know how you it's impossible to master something that's constantly involving you can you can master a martial art because it's fixed right yeah, there are fixed moves and maneuvers. I don't think agile is fixed. And if it is fixed, it ceases to be agile. And then if it ceases to be agile, then like where are we? Yeah, that's true. Something I mean, else. there's there's defined moves. There's illegal moves. There's certain holds <laughs> that you can't use in in judo. And I forget. I think this is Schwaber, but I forget. I forget whether it was Aikido or Jiu-Jitsu or whatever that he was taking this concept from. Um. But. In. Uh, lost the thought. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the prescribed move, the illegal moves. Like there's a, a yeah. We don't we don't really have that. Oh, I I know where this was going. Was you know, um, I listened to Bob Galen's podcast with he and Josh Anderson, and they they talk. You know, you might be in the situation where, 
<laughs> the client's applying waterfall, right? Mm-hmm. True. But, you, but as a natural practitioner, help them do the best waterfall they can do. No, I agree. So I mean, I'm not going to ever advocate for. Oh, that's not true. I'm usually not going to advocate for waterfall, but there are times when it is a better fit for an organization. That's just the reality. I mean, you got to be practical about that. And I think being a great agilist, shuhari aside, it's about making the people, the organization, the environment around you better, right? Um, you can follow the principles, you can follow the values, uh, and that that will help you get there. Um, but assuming that you can get to the end without, I guess, walking the path with with the organization or the individual for that matter, um, I think is a little bit, I don't know what, uh, cocky, <laughs> a little bit uh, arrogant to, to assume you can just take someone to the end step of skipping the, the journey. Yeah, but, but that that does seem like what a lot of coaches do. They work... They typically work, it looks like they work alone, mm-hmm. many of them. And I, I don't know how you would get, I don't know practically how you get a contract where there's like two coaches, they're like, look, we're a package deal, we're going to pair, we're each going to, and that would be an interesting, that would be an interesting sale, contract, whatever. Oh, I think the reason why you see a lot of, I, well, here's, here's my thing, a lot of the contract coaches out there, not all of them, some of you are great, if you're listening to me, uh, I appreciate it, some of you, probably fantastic, but... I have seen a lot of contract coaches who are more interested or even like agile transformation specialists in selling the idea of their services versus actually doing a tra- doing a transformation, right? Yeah. And I think that if you are capable of selling agile, selling a a dual coach package because it is a more agile approach, it makes a lot of sense to me. Like I think that I, I've never thought about that. That's it's a little bit off topic, but it's, it's, I think that makes a lot of sense from a an agile perspective, right? Like we are going to collaborate. We we don't have all the answers. We are going to split off and observe, um, and find the best path, right? And, yeah. and find the best path for your organization. I think that actually would make a lot more sense than I am white ivory tower yeah. agile coach looking down upon everything. Yeah, because if you're if you're coming in as the agile expert, like who's who's checking you? I, I mean, it's exactly what you what you brought up. But I remember. Maybe I won't name names of who in our Austin Andrew community, right? But watching, I don't think they're listening. You probably name names. You probably shouldn't in case this gets blows no, up or it all yeah, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> but like witnessing part of a transformation, and I would even say like probably a lot of the suggestions were right. I don't think they were closely followed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they made quite a bit of money in the training. <clears throat> But then, like, the actual work, I don't think the organization was willing to do that. Um, and and I, I don't know how you get an organization past that. Does that mean that you have to bring in a coach in the role of, like, a product director or in the role of an engineering VP? Because I think, I think some people, some coaches that, that I know, I, I think, are willing to do that. But you'll bring them in. To, you'll fill them in, in like, a, a, a VP of engineering role. And they will they will do the transformation from there, and it's pro- probably a hell of a lot more effective, right? Because if they're acting in that role, then they're now they're responsible for some real real results, and they have skin in the game, yep. which is which I think is sort of a kind of a, a tenant, or a, I don't know what we would call it. Um, so let me ask you this, and we are obviously way off topic now, but that's fine. We, I think we talked about true how you think I'm, are we good on that topic? We kind of I I think so. Are you good? Yeah, on? I'm good on topic. Okay. Um, but you should watch my video. Also interesting. Right. Okay. Um, 
Anyway, yeah, shameless plug, shameless guys, plug. I know. Uh, <laughs> so, how do I phrase it? So, what do you think a coach should be coached? Like, say, like a, a transformation coach or an enterprise-level coach. What do you think their coaching outcome should be? There's a couple of things I'm I'm considering, right? I I think the way it seems, most transformations are run, is they start with training. Mm-hmm. They start like getting as many people certified as possible, so that they have a ticket to a thousand dollar course or whatever it is, which is probably the most lucrative way to start a transformation. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would guess, that's why it starts that way. Mm-hmm. There's a legitimate position to be said that well. You know, we need to have a critical mass of people adopting Agile. The way you would with, like, when we did AWS training, right? They wanted to get a critical mass of people learning how to do stuff in AWS. I'm not... I'm still questioning, like, whether that is the right approach to move into the cloud, whether it's AWS or some other provider. Branding talk and also talk of what we do specifically. Hmm. So this avoid talk of what we were doing specifically and talk more generally speaking. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure. There's always, there's the, you know, the legal department. Yeah. I don't know how okay. I feel about this. So, all right. It's a pretty public thing, so it's fine. But yeah. Um. Anyway, I'll be cut okay. that part out. Uh, but but okay, but but, but with but with technical practices, you know, do you want a critical mass of people knowing how to do pair programming or knowing how to do microservice architecture? Do you need to? Does a certain percentage of the organization need to be trained in order to turn it into, like, a habit? I, I, I'm not sure about that. Can I ask you this question? Mm-hmm. Is Agile something you do? Uh, so, I'm not sure. Something I do. Yeah, can you do Agile? I don't think so. You can do you can maybe implement a framework like Scrum or Kanban or Safe or maybe. yeah yeah I can say we're using like Scrum practices sort of so let's here. let's take Scrum as an example okay if you have an organization that is not agile I mean agile not Scrum and you have a team that is not bought into the agile values and principles what value does Scrum have? I don't know. It's a structure, but by, by by itself, I I just I don't know. I don't know how useful a process is if it's not. And what I was going to say in the beginning was if it's not tied to some sort of business outcome, right? We 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 have to we have to tie it back to what value is it bringing to the organization, customers, the 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 people who work in the organization. Whether you're a leader or you're a team member, how is it? Well, no, it's like, how is it empowering you? How is it, how is it cre- inspiring innovation, right? How is it helping a team member get their idea that could save the company many, lots of dollars? Let me ask it this way. 
if you have no frameworks, no safe, no no uh, Scrum, no Kanban, none of the the typical agile frameworks, mm-hmm. but you have a organization that says engineers go experiment, and engineers that want to experiment and learn and want to uh, understand their customers, do you think that would be more or less impactful than a organization that doesn't embrace those principles and those ideas that has really good understanding of what Scrum is? Yeah, yeah, I think I think it would be it would be much more impactful to have a culture of experimentation and learning for sure. So why do you think that so many transformations begin with training on a framework? I think I think we talked about this before. It's a I, it's like a project management deliverable. You can say it's done. You can say the training happened. It's 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 demonstrable, right? You can check you can check the box. The other things are, are very difficult. To measure it's true i mean i agree it's also much harder to sell the idea i'm going to change the culture of your company yeah well you also might you could do those things and still fail right you could I mean you could do those things and fail you could do the training and fail you can do the attempts at changing the culture and fail yeah as long as you learn from it right well <laughs> i if, if all you're gonna like if the only thing you can sell is learning right i, I don't know how the, the, here's the, here's what I'm getting at. It's very hard to sell an actual agile transformation. It is easy to sell training, and that's why, generally speaking, I don't like training. I have a strong aversion to training as a concept, um, because generally speaking, the training will tell you about values. It will not tell you how to embody those values. Right? It won't tell you how to change yourself to become. Uh, appreciative of those values mm-hmm. so if we're going to train people i think if you want to do training for an agile transformation i think the training is like interpersonal skills i think the training is like relational like relation re- relating to people skills i think the training is like accepting failure like it's a big one training like if you if you want to really do a transformation i think that those are the kind of trainings you should be putting on, on the, the, the docket for, for consideration, not scrum training for everybody. And that's maybe not the best thing for people who are certified scrum trainers, but maybe, maybe, maybe they're my audience, but they can yell at me in the comment section. It's fine. I'd love for them to do that. Please give me your feedback and tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> um, anyway, other thoughts? Mm-hmm. My my sense is that a lot of executives already spent like have large training budgets. They go to conferences and work all day workshops or weekend long retreats or whatever that that go over some of these things. I just like some of these things may already happen at an executive level and just just don't get tied back into you know how are you to modeling behavior right how mm-hmm. are you how are you modeling safety into the rest of the organization? And because right, I see see a real lack of that, but in the market in general, yeah, just having having an organization that you know, really values values safety and and modeling vulnerability that doesn't that's not very that's not very common. So I don't know how many leaders like get that. I think that's fair. 
it's an interesting concept. Maybe we can discuss that more on the sure. next episode. Uh, all right. Thanks for listening, guys. So until next time, fail fast and learn something.